for joining us. Yeah. I cannot believe. Full house? Full house. Boom, boom. Yay! Thank you so much. Was that a big enough entrance for you? Yeah, Linda? yeah, thanks. I'd like okay, to make good. entrance, you know. Um, yeah, so we're delighted to have you here. Hello, my name is Antonia Dominguez, the long. And I'm Linda Coogan, the short. <laughs> <laughs> and we are wine, the long and the short of it. <laughs> In proud partnership with Give Wine a Future. Uh, you're yeah. you're very to welcome to our official launch. We are absolutely delighted. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Did you just have a nice glass of bubbles on the outside? Um, that was, let me try and pronounce this properly now, Canavel, Mazzi's Canavel Prosecco Spumante from Valdobbiadenne. <laughs> that do it, yeah? Valdobbiadenne. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And you had a bit of nibble, so there's food and belly, and belly food and wine in your bellies. You have another glass of wine. Save some for a little bit because we'll be talk through that shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the Connoisseur 20 Barrel Pinot Noir. Delicious. Mm-hmm. Have we Gorgeous. Got some? Yes, yeah. we do. Excellent. So look, it's going to be a fabulous evening. We are going to, we're going to do no, we're going to do a bit of housekeeping before we really kick into the recording. So you were going to talk about the lovely bubbles we had mm-hmm. and what's what we're going to expect, Linda. We are going to expect fun. <laughs> and some some interesting conversations. We, we have guest panelists that are going to be joining us shortly. Yep. Um, exits if you need to leave. Uh, try your best to try and stay quiet during the recording. But the exits if you need to get out are there and there and there. Uh, grab your glass and run if the alarms go off or anything like that. Um, but what else? Yeah, just we're going to kick off. Uh, well, as Linda said, it's going to be a live recording. So if you can keep the noise to a minimum uh, during the recording, we'd be very grateful. And uh, we're going to kick off with a Q&A with our special guests centering around matters relating to sustainability. And then we're going to have a Q&A uh, with questions that we received from our lovely <laughs> listeners in advance of this event. So that's the order of things. And then after that, uh, Linda, I'm sure you have more surprises for us. I may have a quiz up my sleeve. Uh, you know, I'm kind of known for them. So we might have that. And also... There is a prize for some very lucky person in the audience. It'd be another bit of an interactive thing going on there. So a bit of fun, as always. And what else have I got? Oh, yeah, social media. We want you to just turn your phone on silent. But if you don't mind taking loads of pictures, there's selfie things outside. And we can mingle around after. There's going to be two wines poured after with some lovely artisan Irish cheese from Sheridan's as well. So, you know, there's loads. So we're going to have our, as you said, our guest speakers up. We will kind of hope to wrap it up because it is a live recording. We don't want the episode going on for three hours. So about 45 minutes. Well, we could have pretended that they're here, stuck here for three hours. Would they like that? Yeah. Um, well, they will because there's going to be um, two more wines poured at the end of this with cheese just back through yeah, where, you, where you were. Did you? Sorry. 
That's how much I listen to you, sorry. Yeah, I know. She zoned out of me already, so God love these guys. Um, no, we're delighted. So, okay, we'll kick off. Um, I think You're you wanted talk. to reintroduce us, even though I said to you, I think everyone really who's there has listened to the podcast and knows us and you, yeah, as, as usual, you beg to differ. So Yeah, we, we argue a lot. We're like a, yeah. a, a, a naggy married couple married, here, yeah. you know. So anyway, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about, about Antonia, in case you don't know. So Antonia is tall, the, the long one of our duo, and uh, she was born in Jerez, J-E-R-E-Z, Jerez, uh, which is where they make sherry. Who can believe that I mentioned sherry before Antonia? Because, I mean, that's her, her favourite ever drink. So she was born in Jerez and born uh, and raised in Ireland. And um, we actually went to school together. We did. We did. We didn't. We weren't in the same class, but we, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and Antonia has worked in a very tough market exporting Spanish wine to China for over 10 years. Mm -hmm. bit, of, bit challenging, but she did amazing work there. She's currently working as uh, the wine buyer for premium retailer Donnybrook Fair and is in <laughs> the middle of her Master of Wine studies it's at stage two, folks. Now, this is a big deal because there are only 416 Masters of Wine in the world. More people have been to space than our Masters of Wine. So Antonia likes a challenge and um, there you go. Anything else are. I forgot about but you? No, I think She's a good enough pal of mine. And yeah. you're well, we met again 20 years after leaving school at John Wilson uh, Tasting, actually. And I said, Linda, what are you doing here? And she said, I'm working in the wine business. What are you doing here? Well, I've been working out in China for the last 10 years. And that's how we reconnected and we decided to, to do a podcast and the rest is history. But um, Linda has been working in the trade for over 15 years, over 10 of those in retail. She then decided to start up her own business in wine education, wine uh, tasting. It's called Wine Tasting Ireland. And she is also, she does lecturing for WSET and she's a regular contributor to Movies and Booze, the Sean Moncrief show. Um, have I, oh, sorry. She has the WSET diploma and she won the George O'Malley Cup for best tasting paper in Ireland. Well, I, I, no, no, no. I had to do a lot of practice. It was really hard work tasting hundreds of wines all the time. But you forgot to mention something really important. Which? That I'm the short, in case oh, they sorry. didn't know. Okay. You know, so. Somebody outside outside said to me, I assume you're the long one. I said, well, if I'm not, there's, I would have serious cause for concern. We were um, called Little and Large, but I didn't like yeah, that. No. Uh, so anyway. So that's us. And now a bit about our sponsor, uh, Give Wine a Future. Um, so what is Give Wine a Future? That's their it, logo. Yeah. It is a movement in response to the hugely important and increasingly stark issue of climate change. It's easy for us to pretend that it's not happening, but we are at a tipping point. And without a commitment by societies and all sectors to, um, to take action, um, this crisis will become a catastrophe. So um, Finlater has taken the initiative, but it is uh, a movement that needs to be backed by the whole wine industry and not just in Ireland, but globally. But it also needs to be consumer driven. Um, so this is the first event that uh, Give Wine a Future has held. It's consumer facing and uh, it's only 18 months into the project. It's in its infancy. And so far, we've made a lot of progress with the trade, working with uh, retail and, and hospitality. But as I said, this needs to be consumer driven. Um, it needs to be grassroots. And so we're delighted uh, you know, to have an opportunity to be a part of that. And uh, yeah, we hope to get consumers you know, awareness up while learning a little bit about wine along the way. So uh, mm -hmm. with that said, 
I think we'll introduce our very special guest, Linda. Let's do it. Let's go. And here we have Geraldine Goethe-Ro. Yes, Yay. I did it. My French and yeah. Spanish is everything. Come on up, Geraldine from Connoisseur Winery. And... And someone who needs little introduction, Catherine Cleary, who is uh, a journalist, writer for the Irish Times, a broadcaster and author. And uh, she writes regularly about sustainability. And she is also co-founder of the movement Pocket Forests. So thank you. Thank you. Okay, so we're drinking this delicious Connoisseur 20 Barrels Pinot Noir, which comes from the Connoisseur Winery. So Geraldine, can we start by you walking us through this beautiful wine, please? Hello, good evening, everybody. It's my pleasure to be here and share with you the, the spread the Connoisseur word with you. So Connoisseur is a winery from Chile. I think it's important we remind everybody where we are from. So we are located in South America in Chile. Conosor is uh, turning 30 years old this year. So it's a very young company in the wine business, young and dynamic. This 20 barrels Pinot Noir is, 20, is from the vintage 2020. So it's very young, but yet it's already very open and fruity. It's a blend from the Casablanca and San Antonio Valley, which are two valleys located very close to the Pacific Ocean. If you can picture Chile, it's somewhere close to the Valparaiso city. It's 100% Pinot Noir. We vinify it the way they vinify Pinot Noir in Burgundy. That's how we are able to achieve such a level of elegance and finesse. We barrel age it for on average 12 months. And the, um, I hope you enjoy it. It's very fruity, uh, very velvety, very silky, well-balanced, nice natural acidity, um, natural salinity coming from the influence of the Pacific Ocean, full-bodied Pinot Noir. So I think it's a great wine to kick off this talk. It is. It's absolutely beautiful. Have you all had a taste? Cheers. Get your nose Cheers. stuck Salute. in. Salute. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that's nice. There's serious um, quality in that wine, you know, and I think we were talking about this earlier, the association with chili being, you know, entry level wine, um, you know, that's really changing now. And wines like this help, you know, that purpose. But we were talking about connoisseur having, you know, brands that are sort of supermarket brands. And then you turn out something like this, which is really serious quality. So it goes to show that big brands, um, that, you know, are, are capable of producing High, high quality, you know, so do you find it difficult to sort of, you know, spread that message? Yeah, I find it very difficult. It's uh, one day at a time, one meeting at a time, because what happened is that um, Chile, you know, entered the European markets and many markets through the price segment. So we entered the market through the supermarkets and we have wines brands which I love and I'm not sh uh, ashamed of, which is Bicicleta, for example, which is the wine with the bicycle on the label. Everyone's nodding, Geraldine. Yeah. Seems to know Do that you one. know why we have the bicycle on the label? Tell us. I'll say it now. Two, two, two main reasons. The first one is that Connoisseur is very committed to protecting the environment. So we have this bicycle, to, it's a message saying, ride your bike, not your car, you know. And the second thing is that we are located in the Colchagua Valley in Chile, in a village called Chimbarongo. 
and all the people who work for us at the winery, most of them live in the village and they come to work on a bicycle. So when you come and visit us, you have all these bikes on the side. And after such a long flight from Paris to Santiago, when you arrive and visit us, you visit the vineyard on a bicycle. Mm -hmm. So that's where Bicicleta comes from. It's a tribute we pay to the people who work there for us every day. So Bicicleta is very much an off-trade brand. And I mean, why not? Um, It's really well-made, well-balanced. And at the price it is, it's very competitive. But it's true that in the consumer's mind, uh, people don't always make the intellectual effort to think premium uh, wines can also come from Chile. And people, when they say, okay, I'm going to spend 50, 60, 70 euros on a bottle, I want it to come from Burgundy or Champagne or Bordeaux. And um, it's, it's, it's a bit unfair, to be honest, oh, even though I'm French and I live in Bordeaux. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm not, I'm, you know, <laughs> let's be contradictory tonight. <laughs> and so, but, but you know, because Conosor is a big company in Chile, even though we're young, we're already the third biggest company in the, in the country. And with being a big company comes big responsibility. And we have over the past 30 years, uh, worked very hard. We have driven the, the vineyards up. We have learned from Burgundy and from Bordeaux how to produce our premium wines. And today we have achieved grades like 95 points Robert Parker, 96 points Tim Atkins. We have achieved things that a lot of older wine producing uh, people have never achieved. So now it's my job and my team's job to spread the world, meet you guys and tell you, yeah, don't be afraid. I mean, you will see the effort we ma- we have made. I mean, Chile is a paradise as a country for uh, wine growing because the climate, the terroir is ideal. And we do have different terroirs from north to south and east to west. So make this effort and, and come and meet our premium wines. Um, I'm so happy tonight that we are showing our 20 barrels Pinot Noir because so Pinot Noir <laughs> is our icon red grape and we are come to be very famous now for mastering the Pinot, which is not an easy task. No, no. Um, I, when I worked in wine retail for over 10 years, we didn't sell the Bicyclette range. We sold the 20 barrel, the premium range, because you're not going to find these, generally speaking, in, in supermarkets. You kind of need to go to a more boutique, independent wine shop to get your hands on these. And what you're getting is more concentration of flavours, more complexity in the wine layers, and then a long, lingering, fruity finish that's just delicious. Mm, that's so, beautiful. Yeah, it's gorgeous, mm. beautifully made. So, Geraldine, sorry, no. Catherine, uh, we will ask you something. We will get you. But <laughs> <laughs> well, Connoisseur is such a leader in sustainability. And, um, you know, back in 1998, I think you started um, working with sustainable viticulture. And since then, you went on to have, you know, so many certifications, organic, eco-certs and all sorts of things. And I think it's in 2021 that you achieved B Corp status. So can I ask you why the winery felt it needed to take that extra step to B Corp status? And maybe you could explain a little for, for everyone what B Corp status actually means. Okay. So as I said, we were founded in 1993. And from the very beginning, when we bought the vineyards, when we were founded, we, we changed the vineyard from conventional agriculture to sustainable agriculture. And so over the years, we have achieved many important steps in taking care of the environment. For example, in 2007, we were certified carbon neutral delivery, which means that all the CO2 that we produce by shipping the wines to Europe, we compensate, we invest in forest in the south of Chile, 
we um, have invested in windmill programs and things like that. So actually, in Finland, a study came out two years ago showing that a wine coming on a boat from South America will actually pollute less than a wine coming on a truck from Southern Europe to Northern Europe, you know? So things like that. We have achieved all the ISO certification, which are very important. And uh, we achieved uh, For Life in 2018, which is taking care of your, uh, it's social responsibility, taking care of your employees, of your people. And B Corp in 2021 is really going 360. It's about being inclusive. It's about, um, the holistic approach of the business. It's when you put, you shift from being a company that puts profitability in terms of money as a goal to being inclusive in your approach, having a holistic approach. So we have five governments. So it's um, taking care of the employees. So we do that. We did that through through life. So for example, in Chile, health and education are private. You have to pay. So a lot of people cannot afford it. So Conosol pays for the health care and the, the education of the employees. Um, it's also taking care of our suppliers, taking care of our customers, taking care of our communities. So we do a lot of activities to take care of the Chimbarongo village where we are from. So it's a whole, um, yeah, it's a 360 holistic approach. And for us, it was a natural evolution. You know, from the very beginning, we were very much into uh, sustainability. It's in our DNA. And so B Corp, it's not the end of a thing. I like to say it's not like marriage. You know, the day you get married, you think, yeah, I'm married. This is it. And uh, no, it's the beginning of the work, you know. <laughs> and it's like when <laughs> B Corp, you know, that's what it is because you are not B Corp forever. You have to keep on working on it and you have to keep on being recertified and you have some points in each column and then you can progress every time every time every time and you can actually also lose the b corp certification so it's something we're very aware of and we have a team in chile i salute them um that is working very hard to make sure we we achieve the highest standard possible okay um, that's that's really interesting because I know that you said it's your, in your DNA, like the core value of Connoisseur would be sustainability and that. And um, I suppose people may not understand, uh, consumers of wine, how important like the additional costs that go into having an aspect of organic wines in your portfolio and things like that. Do you think that, I'm not asking you how much it would cost to do an extra bottle, but on average, percentage-wise, how much might it cost you to have an organic section and that's obviously passed on to consumers. Mm -hmm. um, does that make sense? It does. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I've had some people. It helps make sense. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> no, um, I would say on average, in terms of winemaking, it doesn't cost a much of, a, it doesn't make much of a difference, you know? It's more in terms of the vineyards and depending in the compost, in the vineyard that we have, Throughout Chile, it can be 10 to 30% more expensive, you know? So okay. it's, uh, it, it does have an impact. That's why Conosor has 1,400 hectares, 2,000 together with the farming. Today, we have 350 hectares organically certified and 100 under conversion. But it's a, it's a very difficult decision to make because it's quite costly. It takes time, yeah. it takes years to be organically certified. And you have 
one climatic accident and you need to spray a product on your vineyard and that's it, you lose your certification. So you can't just put solar panels up on the winery and think, oh yeah, here we go. It's not jump, jumping on the bandwagon. It's a big process that you need oh, to take no. years. Organic to actually, vineyard, it yeah. means absolutely zero product in the vineyard. So we have natural corridors, we have geese, we, we have uh, birds, we have things, you know, like this nat natural, actually it's a balance, you know, so we have natural organisms taking care of each other. Perfect. I have a, a question for Catherine. Um, Yay. 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 <laughs> so Catherine, going back to this idea of, um, you know, the certification costs and, you know, the premium that adds on to the final product, whether it be wine or food, do you think consumers are willing to pay a premium for organic or sustainable? I, I think it depends on the product and, and, you know, there's a cost of living crisis now, so it's never going to be a popular thing to say to, say to people you need to pay more money for your food or your wine or, you know, and having come through a pandemic, I think people feel you know what, I, I, I'm fed up with this sacrificing things and I want to, you know, I want to just live my life and enjoy myself. But Geraldine used an interesting word when she was talking about farming and she was talking about conventional farming. And we think about that in the, in the 1990s idea of conventional farming and conventional farming from about the 60s, both in wine and food, went down the road of becoming a factory farming commodity, producing the maximum amount of product um, by incredibly clever, you know, human ingenuity, combining fertilizers with special kinds of dwarfs, dwarf wheat, which wouldn't fall over. This, it was called the Green Revolution. So it looked like the perfect system that you could maximize the production of food. You could lower the cost of food. You could lower the cost of wine. You could make wine freely available to everybody. People would be drinking it in countries like Ireland where, you know, we, we just didn't have any tradition of that. So that's all comparatively recent that that has all happened but the cost of that was not known because as Geraldine talked about it is a living system a farm or a vineyard is not a factory floor you can't look at it on a balance sheet and say I can put in this many inputs and therefore I get that many outputs you can for a certain amount of time but you will slowly kill the soil that is the very thing that that produces the food uh, at the end of the process. So cheap food or cheap wine or cheap produce that comes from a living system has a cost. Um, and the cost is to the people who are making it, the animals or the, the soil. So I think there is an element of education and yeah, you're probably never going to get a politician to say food needs to be more expensive, but food needs to be more expensive. Mm -hmm. We waste a third of it because it's so cheap. Um, you know, That's a really we, good point, Catherine, like, you know, like yeah. how much waste do we have? I'm going to ask you something about that myself. Yeah. So, but then it becomes a culture war. We'll say, you know, it becomes a thing of saying, well, that's only uh, something that the middle classes can enjoy because organic food is too expensive for people on budgets to enjoy. Um, but in the middle of that, you have producers, farmers, uh, winemakers who are struggling to make a living from producing food, pr producing something that we all need to, to survive. Wine obviously is also an essential for survival. Um, <laughs> so in our case, yes. um, yeah, it's 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 a tricky one. But I think people are beginning to, and they're it, it, it's partly a job of storytellers and storytellers like Geraldine who talk about the geese. On I mean, I love the idea of geese in a vineyard. That idea that what you get from a system where you're tapping into the natural cycles 
is so much healthier for us. Uh, you know, we now know that these pesticides are forever chemicals that stay in our bodies. So, you know, there was, it, it looked like a miracle that we could produce this much fine food and wine very cheaply, but we now realize that it isn't. And we need to go back to what was actually conventional mm -hmm. methods, which was working with natural systems. Mm -hmm. And that's going to take, it's going to take away from the volumes that can be produced but then do we need those volumes to be produced? You know, do we need to be consuming or wasting that much food or that much produce when, you know, with, with the challenges of climate where it becomes more challenging? We've seen empty supermarket shelves this week because of the weather conditions in Spain and North Africa where we're getting our summer fruit, you know, summer things, tomatoes, cucumbers, things that we wouldn't be eating in this part of Northern Europe at this time of the year. Mm -hmm. So that that is go going to put pressure on the miracle that is the amount of food and produce we produce. Mm -hmm. What was the question again? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I'm enjoying where you're going. Big, big this. No, no, it's great. No, it was really about, I suppose, the additional uh, costs to growers to having to farm organically or sustainably um, and whether consumers are, are willing to pay the premium for that. And I remembered going to uh, Piero Pan, which is a winery in Suave, and I talked about this in one of our episodes. Um, I had a meeting with Andrea Piero Pan, who is very passionate name drop, passionate about uh, sustainability. And, um, you know, when I asked him the same question, he simply said, uh, you know, consumers will pay a premium for quality, but not for additional costs. And, you know, that organic and biodynamic producers should not have to pay, to pay a, a, a price to be organic and biodynamic. It should be the other way around. It should be conventional growers who have to pay to use chemicals. And it was just so brilliantly simple, you know, um, and really... It is as simple as that, but it is, yeah. Yeah, but it does beg the question, I suppose, how do we communicate, uh, how do we reach the consumer with that message of the importance of sustainability? Well, and if you don't mind, show of hands, how, if you're in any way or highly aware of sustainability in the wine industry, if you'll raise your hands, and if you're completely oblivious to it all, keep your hands so that we have a gauge as where we need to be kind of getting the message across because as Antonia said at the beginning you know give one a future movement is is happening with the you know the trade hospitality people are working in the industry are being slowly educated about that but we thought why not with this podcast and with this launch event to see you know where you are at and like to be honest we all have to do our part I'm not doing enough I, I'll ask the question now in a second but like there's a place called the rediscovery center in uh, Dublin 9 anyone know it yeah, that's brilliant. You know, Siobhan, I see you, Siobhan. Um, but it's an amazing place. And I bring my kids there. They do like not just um, they do show you how the water system and the home works. They show you they do Halloween uh, costume swap. There's workshops on like all this weekend. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get the kids to it. And they're teaching kids from school age all the way up. But I love going there because I every time I go, I pick up something new. They do workshops for adults and kids. And I think that's a great way to integrate it in. So I have a question now for you, and uh, Gerald, uh, Jesus, Patron. <laughs> I'm usually just talking to Antonia. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so if you're aware at all in any way about sustainability in the wine industry, put your hand up high and proud. And if you haven't a clue, keep it down low so that we can just gauge who is aware at all. Okay. 
Perfect. Great. Thank you so much because this really helps us. Don't there be a big quiz and a long exam at the end of this that you can have to fill in? And, and I'm only joking. There isn't. But just 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 that show of hands just really helps. You know where we need to you know address the podcast and 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 hopefully you know entertain you but educate you at the same time about this stark message that we will hopefully address and change. So on that note, Catherine, have you tipped like food waste? That is just scandalous and like I try to make soup I try to make breadcrumbs out of any food left over and stuff there's never wine left over funny enough now but um, uh, apparently you can freeze it and do all sorts of stuff but like that just you know I, I, I don't really understand that like but there, there are ways of, of saving wine you know you could drink water or champagne you could do that as well but um, yeah is there any tips that you could give people here to just be more or, or Geraldine as well like you know if you have anything that you could give like three tips of one tip, two tips, whatever you have to in the house, in the household from from any age that we could do to. Yeah. I think if you have the time and you live somewhere close to a good food shop, is to to act like you're pretend you're Nigel Slater. So I don't know if anybody knows Nigel Slater. I just have this vision that he just leaves his house in the morning. He wanders down. He sees something in the green grocer and he picks it up and he thinks that's going to be delicious for my dinner. And then he pops into his local butcher and the baker. And it's quite a French way, I think. Maybe you know cliched French way but and I mean I did it when my when my kids were small my life-saving thing was to do the big shop you know I had to yeah. do the big shop because if I had the big shop then that was that organized but you know you do the big shop and the supermarkets are there pushing yeah. the three for or whatever it is and it's always the vegetables that you know are composted at the bottom of the vegetable drawer at the end of the week so it's just having a little bit of headspace to say what would I like to eat? Um, if I haven't eaten all of it, I'll have it for lunch tomorrow. The whole working from home thing is, is brilliant for food waste because we can have our thing for lunch tomorrow without, you know, having somebody in the office canteen going, oh my God, it's your one with her mackerel <laughs> again or whatever. Um, so yeah, just a little bit of thought. And it, I, I, that sounds easier than it is because we're all busy and, you know, I, I've fallen completely out of love with cooking. I mean, I just could not be bothered to cook anything. Like, if, if I didn't have children, I'd probably have a boiled egg for my dinner every night at the moment because I'm just, yeah, I know, it's just, it's, it's shocking. Um, so, <laughs> I, I've, taught my, very little I've taught my 12 year old to cook now. So that's that's, that's, that's what I'm hoping to do. So, yeah, food, don't think about it, pretend you're Nigel Slater, and then if you do waste something or if you do have something that you can't you know it's gone beyond soup or freezing and soup or freezing are probably the last stages compost it because you're putting it back in the ground and it's not going it's not producing methane in landfill um so you're keeping it all in a loop and then you'll be growing your own vegetables and if you're growing your vegetables you're never going to waste them so thank you it's yeah sensible <laughs> yeah common sense common sense prevails yeah absolutely yeah just we won't uh, waste the wine but no, going back to this issue of communication, what kind of measures are Connoisseur taking, um, you know, in terms of marketing and packaging to sort of reach consumers or at least to be able to communicate the sustainability practices that they are in, in fact implementing? Several measures. One of them is me being here with you guys tonight. <laughs> so to, you know, spread the word and meet you and talk to you about it. Then another one is on our back labels. You will see that um, last year we repackaged all the back labels and we have put all the logos very clearly, very readable, so that people can in one uh, look 
understand what we're doing. For example, we have reduced our water usage in the cellar by 27%. Well, we have a drop of water, we say minus 27% in the cellar. We have solar panels, we have put the icon. Uh, we are B Corp certified, carbon neutral certified. We have all of this. Our organic wines are vegan. We have the vegan logo. So we're, we're very much uh, visual like this on the back labels. So it's it, in one, like I said, in one look, you will grasp our philosophy and everything. And also uh, we communicate a lot on social media. So uh, Insta Instagram, Facebook, um, what's the other one? Uh, Twitter. Twitter, Twitter yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm not on all of those. <laughs> so, but uh, I'm on Instagram essentially. But so it's the modern way. Um, we try not to over communicate because social media also pollutes a lot. So, um, back point. labels, mm -hmm. you know. Good. I, I thought this might be about the time where you break out your little handbag packaging. You yeah. know me too well, Antonia. I know. So, I like to have props in case, you know, I get nervous and I don't know what to say. Yeah, right, I'll never stop talking. Um, but basically, these are some of the types of packaging that you can now buy. This is like a handbag, but it's full of wine. Isn't that great? <laughs> uh, so, this is uh, two litres of wine. So chic. <laughs> I know, it's fancy, isn't it? So, I mean, this is just one alternative type of packaging that's now around cans pouches all of these different types and I think we're going to see more and more of them you may I can pass that around and the other thing that I think is extremely interesting is I brought a weighing scales you haven't seen this Catherine this is very exciting okay so here is and now I love this wine okay I love this wine this is absolutely gorgeous but what it, is it, Linda? Um, don't ask me to pronounce it. Aglianico. <laughs> Aglianico. Piano de Cero. Aglianico. Okay, it's a gorgeous wine. Um, this is actually an empty bottle and it weighs a kilo. Okay, I'm going to pass it around so you can feel how heavy it is. And it's the type of bottle, no joke, <laughs> that I was enjoying this one evening and I was pouring a glass and, and one glass led to another glass and then I was sure there was another glass. Mm. They're one of those nights, you know, we've all had them. You will see why you, I thought that there was actually uh, more wine left. Compared to Mazzy, which you had there Prosecco earlier on, you're going to enjoy this wine after the, the show. I'm calling it a show. <laughs> the, the recording, <laughs> Linda's show. Um, <laughs> yeah, Antonia kept reminding me this week that this is not your show, Linda. Do we have guest speakers and stuff? But this is a full bottle of the Mazzy, and they, this is a recycled label. They don't have the unnecessary foil at the top the way this wine does. All these little differences, recycled paper, and it's much lighter. And this is an organic wine as well, and it weighs a kilo for a full bottle. Okay, so I'm going to pass them around so you can just see the difference because I'm a real visual person. I know this is a podcast, but, um, you know, when you see that when you, you pay attention, you notice things and you look, oh, right, what brands are actually making a difference? And, you know, we did a podcast recently about an episode about big brands, friend or foe. And I, you know, I think if we didn't have bigger brands like Connoisseur, like Mazzy, like Torres, that and lots of other big brands, we wouldn't be able to, they wouldn't be able to invest in uh, the technology, innovative ideas and have great teams leading them to, to make changes for mm -hmm. society. So there's my little preach. So I think with that, we might take some questions from the listeners. I, I think you have a list of them, I do you? Do, I do. Okay. So we've got a few questions in from uh, listeners. We may, if we have a few, few minutes, because I actually have a quiz 
and uh, a little game for a prize. I know, sorry, cringy, but tough. And um, so, right, Antonia, the first question I have, how do you chill white wine quickly? This was someone desperate to find out the answer to this. I don't even know if I have the answer to this. I was told that if you put like a kitchen paper and wet it and put it on the bottle and stick it in the freezer for 10 minutes. Okay, there's... Without the paper? I see Geraldine. Ask Geraldine. She knows. Well, Geraldine, you tell us. So my, in my experience, it's better quality, uh, okay? Better quality uh, kitchen towel. I met the guy from Plenty, you know, Plenty Sheets. Uh, one sheet is plenty. So I met him at a wine fair. <laughs> no, it's a true story. I have a photograph with him and he had all his gear on. And uh, so you have to use... Oh, with Laura. Laura, you were there. You remember. I'm not making this up. Um, so one sheet is plenty. And you, you wrap, you dampen it, and you have to cover the entire bottle. Um, and then you pop it in the freezer. And it doesn't freeze the liquid inside, but it chills the wine. There you go. Wine doesn't freeze alcohol doesn't Yeah, but you know if you leave it in overnight and there's an explosion? <laughs> No, no, 10 minutes in the freezer. Put a timer. Say, Siri, 10 minutes, please. Yeah, I've done, I've done a bit longer than that, and there has been consequences. Um, <laughs> excuse me now, we're all going to be coughing. It's contagious. It's like it's a yawn, yeah. I hope there's none of them going on. Um, okay, the most expensive wine that you've ever tasted? Anyone? I mean, uh, yeah, anyone. The Bordeaux Concru. Mm. All of them. Uh, Alma Viva from Chile. Mm. But, mm. You know, I've been in this business for like 25 years. So I've had a quite, I've been very lucky to taste quite many exceptional wines. But I must say, it's not always a price thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was going mm. So, in terms of expensive, um, all the five, uh, the first five of the Bordeaux Grand Cru, some of the um, second uh, area, and but also I've had great, great, awesome experiences with wine from around the world that were not necessarily over the top in terms of price, but exactly like you were saying, they represented the men and their terroir, and they were just so gorgeous. I was going to say, I don't taste many expensive wines, but rare wines or the experience behind the wine. Um, so like, I remember tasting a, a sherry from a 100-year-old Solera. I had to talk about sherry, didn't I? <laughs> Go on, what about yourself? Um, again, not necessarily drank many, um, like to, to drink the bottle as such, but tasted quite a few. But recently I was over at my wealthy uncle in the UK and we had Mouton 98 and uh, Chateau Yquem is sweet dessert wine, um, 96 as well. So like there, and a hundred point uh, Claude de Pape and, and stuff like that. So, you know, that that's me every week, of course, you know, <laughs> isn't it? No. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a nice question. But for me as well, it's more about the, the experience and who you're with and, 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 and rather than the price tag. Um, I actually had a wine last week um, called, it's the Alumba wine, who are very high in, in um, organic wine, wines as well. And it, it's called the Signature. And um, every Christmas, they, they pick someone to represent the winery um, and make their wine. Uh, choose what they put into it, what blend and that. And it was actually made by Louisa Rose, who is a female winemaker that I uh, spoke about for the episode going out today. So that was just a lovely, I tasted it. I didn't know that. And it's her signature on the bottle. And it's just a lovely thing. I was like, oh, I only talked about her. And, you know, it's just really, really nice. So it's for me, it's more about, you know, the experience, the emotional attachment, and again, the company. Mm. 
you know, I like my own company as well with some wine as well, but you know, it's good to have other people there as well. But um, anyway, right, another question. Um, do you think we'll be making wine in Ireland? And what are your thoughts on English wine? Well, we already do make a little bit of wine in Ireland. Has I anyone had any yeah. Irish wine? Have you? Yeah. yeah. Couple of people. I haven't tasted yeah, well, any myself. Yeah, but you are more so working in the trade, a lot of you now. Yeah. That's why, yeah. Well, now, uh, Monair, is it, who does, makes wine from, you know, other berries? You have feelings about that, though, don't you? I suppose I'm a bit of a purist when it comes to wine. I believe it, it, it's only wine if it's made from the, the grape. I don't know if this may be a little controversial, but um, I know um, in Lusk we have Llewellyn making wine and uh, a producer in Waterford. Um, I think possibly we have a way to go, but I think in England they're making stunning wines already. I mean, the sparkling wines are absolutely stunning. I haven't really got much exposure to the still wines, but at the same time, I hate the idea that, you know, climate change is facilitating this, you know, where we're able to go into cooler, uh, you know, more marginal climates in order to make wines. I, I'd rather forsake the climate change and not have that happen. I suppose that would be my view. Okay, just two more then, okay. Um, this is funny. A few people know this person. Uh, Frankie Cook, he couldn't be here, uh, but he asked, what height are you both? <laughs> I think I'm 5'11", um, 5'11"-ish, I think. It was kind of um, more of a joke, but anyway. Okay. Uh, <laughs> And I'm I'm proudly four foot ten and three quarters. So there's a, a, foot there's a good foot between us. Okay. Um, and finally, this is hilarious. This question: uh, If you were one grape, what would it be, and why? <laughs> one grape. Hilarious, isn't it? Do you have an answer to that, Charity? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go on. Yeah, I'd be Pinot Noir. Oh. Because you want to know why? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because it's a very delicate grape. You know, in Chile, we treat it like a white grape. We harvest it in February because it's so delicate. It's a very delicate vine to grow and cultivate. And it's extremely complicated grape to vinify. So it has this elegance of the white. But then when you vinify it like we do, it can be strong and full-bodied, like a strong red and I like this versatility of going from being soft and elegant and light all the way to like surprising you and being kind of bold and strong. I like that. Great, great answer. Catherine, do you have a, a great... I, I can't follow that, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I have a pint of Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Linda? Actually, that was another question. About, yeah. You know, um, Ideal food pairings? No, no. Um, I've seen vegan on a wine label. Why is wine not vegan? Guinness wasn't a vegan product a couple of years ago as well. And just so people know what that means, um, to clarify and uh, clear, make a wine consumer friendly looking, you need to clarify all the gunky bits out of it in a nice <laughs> way. And they used to use um, eyes and glass fish guts and stuff to, to do that process. Uh, they then start using egg whites, um, like a consomme soup, if you, you know, clarify that. Um, but now they're using either potato starch or bentonite or clay to do that. So just when you mentioned Guinness, I just thought I'd throw that in because okay. somebody asked. Uh, right. Grape, what grape are you? Well, I'm actually like... I think Palomino would be too obvious, sorry. <laughs> oh no, like see, everyone's sick. Like, so Palomino, I'm sherry going, in case people didn't I, I'm know. Going through, um, I'm going through a bit of a Grenache phase. I think the, the Grenache coming out of McLaren Vale, uh, oh, you know, I'm thinking of... 
Willunga and uh, Thistledown are making fabulous Grenache. We had a masterclass with Jazz Cook recently um, and also just northern Spain in general. I just think they're so um, they're so bright and they've got loads of minerality and there's lots of finesse now uh, compared to what they used to be. Big, you know, chunky and alcoholic. And yeah, so um, Grenache, maybe I would say, um, you know, um, ambitious and capable of greatness, hopefully. <laughs> It's like looking in a mirror, a great big Grenache, a bunch of Grenache in Antonia. <laughs> uh, okay. And you? Oh, me? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I actually did think about this and I, you know, I couldn't just pick one because I might have split personality thing going on here. So, uh, Syrah, have you heard of the Syrah grape? Also Shiraz grape in, in the new world, really. And it, Syrah would be, you know, more the Rhone and more elegant, more finesse, that... And the Aussie version would be much more bold and powerful. And, you know, so it's often blended with a white grape called Viognier as well, which I've mentioned a few times in the podcast, which brings a, a, a lifted aromatic flavor to it. And I just think I'm a bit of all of that. You don't know what you're going to get. And, you know, okay, I could be smooth and soft or I could be rough or who knows, you know, so. <laughs> Split personality. <laughs> My, you, <laughs> a blend, you know, different, yeah. Um, okay, so that is it. Now, will you give me five minutes for an interactive quiz? You need a phone. Oh. If this doesn't work, we'll forget about it and we'll just do the quiz because Adrian's in charge of that and we tested it, but, okay? So you need a phone. You will have to log on to um, a website that's going to come on now and put in a code. It may ask for your first name and then there is five questions. You have to follow what's on the screen. If you're struggling, don't worry about it, okay? It's just to get a rough idea from the room um, what is going on. So it's a bit of fun, and then I have a, a quiz at the end for a prize. How are we doing, Adrian? Yay, nay? Excellent. Ah, yes, some people are already getting it going. So this is your live anonymous feedback that's going to be displayed on the screen. So for you, wine is perfect. Or me, I didn't say me, I said wine, people. I said wine, not me. Essential. Essential. Love it. Keep it coming. Relaxation. Well-balanced and cheap. Needed. Needed. Delicious. Fun, fun, fun. So this is, every, as you are typing them in, in a, in a couple of seconds we'll see. It's really good. God. Oh, it's over there as well. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Linda Coogan. <laughs> wine is Linda Coogan. That's probably my sister. Um, delicious life social and again if you're on the email list this can be turned into a power um, a PDF and I can send this to you as well life changing more excitement (laughs) dreams connections buzz isn't this cool isn't it and see how diverse wine is to so many people yum amazing everything isn't that great Great. Great. I know, and Tony's like, we're not doing a quiz. I'm like, we are. <laughs> There's no time for a quiz, there is. <laughs> all right, you can yeah. all stop now. We've got okay. four more questions. Just press submit, if not. Relaxed, heaven, a gen- generic day, enjoyment, complicated. Yeah, fair enough. Follow our podcast and you'll hopefully learn some more. The weekend, passion, dreams, fun, fun, fun. You know, isn't that great? Which of these countries do you mostly purchase wine from? You have 30 seconds. Italy, France, Spain, Chile, New Zealand, or Australia? 
So this is how many the people have voted. Everyone has voted and I'm intrigued. Spain, 25. Antonio, did you oh, put Lynch. that in over and over? I had nothing to do with that. Wow. What? Isn't that interesting? That's interesting. Yeah. Okay, great. Next, next slide, please, Adrian. On average, how much do you spend on a bottle of wine for yourself? Not as a gift or anything like that, for yourself. Under 10, 10 to 15, 16 to 20, 25 to 25, above 35. And again, just on average, not a special treat, on average. On average. Interesting. So the majority, I suppose, between 10 and 20. Okay, thank you. This will help us as well if uh, we're giving recommendations and things like that. Do you now, this is very longly worded, but do you now better understand the importance of sustainability in the wine industry? Uh, Yes, yes, yes. A little bit. That's Robert De Niro, a little bit, uh, whatever that is. I'm a bit confused and it doesn't concern me. That's Trump. (laughs) Need to know who that one person is. What? Doesn't concern me. Probably Niall. (laughs) That's my partner, just in case. uh, I'm a bit confused. Okay, so look, that's great. That's seeing the yes and a little bit. Okay, we'll work on the other two who are still a bit confused and it doesn't concern them. We'll, we'll help them lead the way. Um, what would you like to see more of in our po- on our podcast? Well, I probably should have fixed that. Anyway, winemaker profiles. We're happy to travel to Chile and, and, and interview anyone. Uh, wine regions, that's kind of specific wine regions. Laughs and quizzes, not more like this anyway. Uh, your questions answered, myths and controversy, or guest interviews. Brilliant. That's amazing. Guest interviews, they're bored with us, Antonia. Yeah. <laughs> we need to give them more. We need to give them more. It's simple. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Myths and controversy and wine, uh, regions. wine regions. Okay, Great. brilliant. Love it. Thank you for that. You're you welcome. have a prize or something. Oh, yes. Okay. okay. Now, this is, everyone's more or less, uh, thank you for that, Adrian. This is a bit of fun, okay? What's the first question? So the prize for this is, so you can decide if you want to bother <laughs> doing it or not. The prize for this is myself. Is everyone from Dublin or living in Dublin at the moment, more or less? I know Porg is Donegal. We may travel if you win this Porg. Anyone else outside of Dublin? Okay, grand. So basically, with the prize is myself and Antonia, the long and short of it, will come to your home and host a private wine tasting for up to six people. The wi- that's, I said wine, and that's what they're excited about. So, um, And the wines have been kindly um, gifted by Finlader and Co. And they're all sustainably wine makers, and, and we'll be talking more about that. So you can decide if you want to hear more of that person who doesn't care if you might win. I'm not sure if you will. Stand up if you were born between 1978 and 82. Stand up loud and proud. Okay. Okay, now it's a bit more interesting. Now the competitive edge. They, they obviously don't want to get out of here. Um, okay. Okay, keep, keep standing. Now we will ID the person who wins to be sure you're not cheating, Niall. Um, stay standing if your birthday is between April and September. Okay, so April, May, June, July, August, September. Okay, so we have two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight people. Okay. Um, 
who came here on their own? So not with a plus one. Not, no, you're not standing, Sergio. <laughs> that is standing. That is standing. Who came on their own? You, you came on your own and you came on your own. Can I just say thank you for coming on your own? Because it's brave. And you're going to meet lovely wine friends. So no, no, thank you. Um, no, I, I used to do that. I used to go to wine tastings and they're a little bit intimidating when you go around, but people are friendly in the wine business and everyone around you. So please, what's your name? Ara. Ara, lovely to meet you. And? Alex. Alex, lovely. Okay, so now it's down to the, down to it now, right? Antonio, do you remember? The, no, the question is going to be, you have to pick a number between 19 and 27 and there's two correct answers whoever gets the first one okay do you not remember what they are no don't, i don't even know about this i told you all right <laughs> okay so you have to pick a number between 19 and 27 so 19 20 21 22 23 24 25 26 27 okay so we're going to keep going back and forth till whoever the first person who gets it right and there's two right answers okay so whoever gets one of them ara Alex, Alex, you're after winning. That's actually Antonia's date of birth. Well done. Excellent. Okay, well done, Great. Alex. And I'm going to gift you access to my wine appreciation course anyway. So that's no problem. So there's no losers. I think We're, it's time up. Yeah, it's time. Yeah. Yep. Okay, thank you so much, Antonia. Have you got... Thank you. Yeah, no, just to thank you all so much for joining us. It's been our pleasure to record this episode with you. And we want to thank our special guests. We want to thank Geraldine. Go away to Row. Go away to Row. And <laughs> Catherine Cleary, thank you so much for being yeah. here. I think the, the audience learned an awful lot from you being here. Yeah. So thank you so much. Um, a massive... Massive thanks to our podcast sponsor and partner, Give Wine a Future. Um, you know, you made this all happen, in particular, Michelle, Leah and Laura and Richard. And, um, you know, a special thanks for championing such an important movement with Give Wine a Future. And we are so proud to have your support and to be associated with this crucial message. And we hope that with the podcast, we can get consumers behind uh, sustainability and uh, at the same time, have a few laughs and learn a bit about wine along the way. So thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you. So now make your way inside, get more wine, have some cheese, and thank you all for coming. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.